liberty lockdown please scan your barcode your liberty ain't gone but yeah it's on hold where did it come from and where did it go it requires a fight not tweeting from your phone don't need a king get him off the fucking throne if you're riding with the thought you've always got a home the virus is scared of will come and it'll go the government knows this don't get treated like a hoe It's been a long time. I shouldn't have left you without a dope beat to step to. This is Clint Russell, your humble host of Liberty Lockdown. I have, as you can see, I moved over the past week. I just moved from one side of the pond to the other. So there was nothing nothing big to it other than a lot of drama and a lot of stress. And good God, do I hate moving. So I apologize. I took a week off. I gave you four episodes the week before I left because I knew I was going to be gone for a while. So I hope I gave you enough content to to process everything. Obviously, the world is changing dramatically in a very rapid fashion, and uh, taking a week off during this period is very uh, non-ideal. So I do apologize for that, but I thank you for your continued allegiance to the Liberty Lockdown Legion. Uh, I want to thank our sponsor before I bring in our guest, and we have a great guest today. I'll tell you about him in just a second. Before I do, uh, Expat Money Summit is your opportunity to learn about expatriation. They're an upcoming online summit by my friend, Mikkel Thorpe, from expatmoney.com. They have over 30 experts in a multi-day free event where they are focused on moving your life, business, and wealth offshore. Cost you nothing. Expatmoneysummit.com. Reclaim your freedom from chaos and uncertainty. Topics will include how to use foreign currencies, offshore banking, and decentralized finance to safeguard your money, how to create a plan B safe haven in case nuclear war breaks out, which unfortunately seems some incredible way plausible. I have no idea what we're doing. Uh, how to legally reduce your tax burden, how and where to safely store gold, silver, and other precious metals. Lots of info. Do not miss it. Cost you nothing. No excuses. Just add to the lineup the great Dr. Ron Paul. Register now for free at expatmoneysummit.com. This is your way to fight back against what is happening in the world. Stand up, protect yourself, and find out how to secure your new life abroad. Register now for free over at expatmoneysummit.com. Without further ado, the man of the hour. Mr. Clay Clark, I really appreciate this guy giving us uh, some time. He is the host of the Thrive Time podcast. Thank you for joining us, Clay. Brother, I appreciate you for for carving out time. I thought, I thought your intro was was great. Uh, I really do enjoy uh, hip hop music quite a bit, so I appreciate you. <laughs> you know, just an old school, you know, '90s kid. That's that's what we're about, man. So, um, anyways, thank you for joining us, man. I, I you're an entrepreneur, author. You've done a lot. I, I thought that <clears throat> my show, just so you know, I'm also an entrepreneur, not an author, but, uh, yeah. you know, I, I tweet like a madman. So at, at some point I should probably make a book. Yeah. Um, I, I'm trying to figure out uh, basically how we weather this storm and how we can profit from it. As, as an entrepreneur, I'm mm-hmm. sure you feel the same way when I see a bear market coming down the, pi- the pike. Uh, my, my instinct is to try and problem solve, to try and uh, benefit from the, the disaster. Uh, is is that your similar outlook? Well, you know, uh, as it relates to what's going on right now, the Great Reset, um, I look at it as um, you, the Great Reset's being put, uh, put together by this guy, Klaus Schwab, and this top advisor, Yuval Noah Harari. And these two guys, they want to implement um, climate lockdowns. They already implemented COVID-19 lockdowns. They want to put certification of vaccination, IDAI, under the skin. They want to move us into a transhumanism agenda. They want to remove the freedom to buy and sell as you wish. Um, there's a lot there. So so my mindset for this particular moment of my life is to uh, wake as many people up as possible in hopes that we can stop the Great Reset. That is my plan. As it relates to entrepreneurial, uh, just to the entrepreneurship mindset that I have, um, that I've always had, I do look for problems and I do find a way to solve them. However, in this case, it's a little bit different. So that's why the Reawaken America Tour events that we do, um, I do let people name their price. And buddies I know who are very successful business owners always say, are you nuts? How do you make any money? And I go, I, I don't. We, we lose quite a bit, in fact. So I have a – it's not a nonprofit – but the Reawaken America Tour is a very unprofitable business, and I'm doing it right now in the <laughs> attempts to wake as many people up as possible. So every time I have an opportunity to do a show on, on a show like yours, I try to drop knowledge bombs t- to listeners that maybe they haven't heard somewhere else. No, I appreciate that. I mean, that's basically what I've committed my life to is is trying to reawaken America um, or re- re- reawaken the globe. Moreover, just simply that this is a global issue. Um, you know, I'm sure you're familiar with ESG and 
and the World Economic Forum is obviously uh, propagating that narrative very aggressively. Uh, I, <clears throat> I agree. I mean, I, I agree that this is it, it requires um, a level. It's what's weird, though, is that like as an entrepreneur, I'm always like looking at the self-interested side of things and yeah. and and I'm trying to, to profit from disasters and especially during bear markets. Uh, yeah. that's that's where I've made outsized returns on on my investments. However, yeah. in this period, I completely agree with you. Like I am not making anywhere near the income that I made prior to the well, lockdowns when I migrated into this. And, I, and I'm doing it consciously because I realize that like there are some things that are bigger than money. And this happens to be one of them. You know, one thing I'll just point out there and kind of tying into what you said is, you know, when the Great Recession happened in America of 2008 ish, the economy fell apart and uh, I was asked by a mortgage company to help them grow their company. That's what I do, by the way. And for anybody out there, if you go to thrivetimeshow.com, um, you can see I've been, and I, what I do with my clients is I say, hey, look, I'm going to charge you $1,700 a month. I'm only going to take on 160 clients and I'd like to get a small percentage of the growth beyond where you're stuck. That's, that's how I oh, make money. That's so great. I, I do that with a lot of businesses. So anyway, so, and I, and I always document their success on video. So I've got like thousands and thousands of testimonials. And because we only take on 160 clients, it really is a, um, a pretty neat um, kind of a, almost like a, I, I, not, not like a Spartan 300, but I mean, it's a unique uh, uh, kind of a group of entrepreneurs that are all in the game together. So it's a lot of fun. But when the economy fell apart, I, I called the mortgage client that reached out to me and I said, Hey, the economy is falling apart. The first time tax buyer credit is available. Um, we need to be, we need to own it. We need to be like the people in Tulsa, Oklahoma that you go to if you're looking for a mortgage for first time home buyers. That, that's where you need to go. And I, so I optimized it for search engines. Um, if you go to Google, I think if you go to YouTube and you type in Tulsa Mortgage Expert, you'll probably find me, which is hilarious uh, because the media showed up to do an interview with the owner who was reluctant to do the interview. So I did it. And then they somehow gave me his byline on my lower thirds. So all of a sudden, I'm a mortgage expert. Anyway, all I can say is I, I do look for problems that we can solve. What I want people to do today, if we can, is I want people to really listen in to what I'm I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have a few audio clips I want to play. And I want people to really listen in to what is being said. And I think it's going to let people know that we're in for a rough ride here in the near term. All right. So this first clip, this first audio clip comes to us uh, courtesy of, of Joe Biden. I don't know that anybody that I've ever met likes Joe Biden. Okay, I think I'm able to support him or believes that he has a vision for the world that's positive. But Joe Biden said these words on uh, February the 7th of 2022. Listen to these words. This is Joe Biden. Here we go. Let me answer the first question first. If Germany, if, uh, if Russia invades, uh, that means tanks or troops crossing the uh, the, the border of Ukraine uh, again, then uh, there will be uh, we there will be no longer a Nord Stream two. We we will bring an end to it. What do you, what how will you how will you do that exactly? Since the project and control of the project is within Germany's control, we will. Uh, I promise you, we'll be able to do it. Nothing to see here. So he said that. And so he said that. And then after saying that, we now see, this is a fact, it's not my opinion, that Russia's Nord Stream 2 pipeline is leaking into the Baltic Sea. Now, for anybody out there that doesn't spend their whole day playing risk or looking at the globe, I get it. But I want to walk people through the geography here and what this means. Roughly 60%, and you, you, you are a man who's traveled, so you could maybe add into this maybe more clarity than I could, but um, I just talked to General Flynn about this. I just talked to Mike Adams about this. I've talked to a lot of people that are much more respected than I have. I am about this. But over 60% of Europe's energy comes from the Nord Stream 2 pipeline. So yeah. this pipeline um, footage was just released by the Danish uh, military, and I, again, I don't know a whole lot about the Danish military. I know that the Danish folks have a military. There it is. And the footage shows that there's a, it appears to be like an implosion or explosion or some sort of massive leak occurring of oil now spewing into the Baltic Sea. In, in three separate locations simultaneously. It's, it's a complete anomaly. It's never happened before in history. Uh, yeah, there is fuckery afoot. And so today is September 27th, <laughs> which is the ninth month of the year. 
February, when he said this, was the second month of the year. So seven months later, it's happening. And what happened since he said that statement, since Joe Biden made the statement that if Russia were to go into Ukraine, that he would make sure that the Nord Stream 2 is over. I'm quoting, he says, there will be no longer Nord Stream 2. We will let, let me let me back you up real quick because we got Victoria Newland on record saying the same. Check this out. Um, with regard to Nord Stream 2, uh, we continue to have uh, very strong and clear conversations uh, with our German allies. And I want to be clear with you today. If Russia invades Ukraine, one way or another, Nord Stream 2 will not move forward. So, yeah, uh, they made it very explicit in their <laughs> not so not so thinly veiled threats. Uh, both Biden and Victoria Newland. Victoria Newland, who was on the ground in Ukraine, uh, fomenting that coup as well. So, yeah, I'm with you. I'm not trying to paint you into a corner, but I am trying to, for anybody out there, could you maybe explain why Victoria Newland is someone that people should at least be aware of her existence? Yeah, sure. Uh, Victoria Newland is a State Department operative that essentially ser serves as a talking head uh, whenever our State Department, aka CIA, is is uh, intervening in you know other other countries' politics, and and she has made her name in Ukraine. Uh, she was on record in I think it was January in front of Congress when she was uh, questioned under oath as to well I don't know if it was under oath it should have been because <laughs> she certainly lied uh, where they were asking her about the the bio weapon facilities in Ukraine and. And she basically said, uh, well, they're, they're bio facilities, but she wouldn't say weapons. So, um, yeah, Victoria Newland is is a very nefarious character who anytime you see some sort of coup happening overseas, uh, usually if you look through her history, she she spent a year or two in that country prior to it occurring. And one of the things I, I want to just hammer home on here is I, it, let's just pretend for a second that we are listening right now and we are not fans of America. Let's just say we're objective citizens of the world maybe we're from mexico maybe we live in canada <laughs> right now maybe we live in germany maybe we live in europe right now i mean let's just think about it. you have so many great listeners all over the world okay and you were just to look at the recent actions of the united states it would be very easy to not like the united states based upon the actions of the biden administration it would be very easy to have anger or animosity for the united states if you were living abroad and you discovered you're now going to have a very cold almost a deadly cold probably a deadly cold winter because of this action um especially when you look at okay they they make these thinly veiled threats and then it happens and i think that's where we're right now where we're kind of headed into a a a dangerous place right now that I'm frankly yeah. very, very concerned about. I'm not trying to be an alarmist, but I, I'm very concerned about the future of America right now because they're they're making it hard to be uh it's they're making it hard to love America. You know, Biden yeah, no, I, I feel similarly it's it's heartbreaking and, and just to you know add to your case, uh, I think that there is I mean there is uh you know historical cognates to uh, cutting supply lines and things like that that led into both World War One and World War Two. It was the commu communications, uh, like the the wire lines under the uh, the Atlantic that were cut during uh, the lead up to World War One when America got involved, and then obviously the embargo against Japan, the oil embargo uh, against Japan that led them, in in my opinion, intentionally into attacking us at Pearl Harbor just because they had no no choice. Uh, it was basically you know give up on the war or uh, or go to Go, go into a multi-front war against uh, the U.S. as well. Um, and now it seems as if the, the U.S. is most likely behind uh, the, the Nord Stream attack. And and I I guess we'll we'll just theorize here. I mean, this is all spitballing, obviously. But what, what do you think the incentive is here? It, obviously, Russia is supplying the majority of the energy to, to Europe through Nord Stream, as you've already discussed. Uh, is it is it trying to create enough pain in Germany that that they can get the EU behind a war against Russia? Is that is that your read of it, or is it simply me, about trying up, to cut cut the income to Russia? Let me cue up an audio clip, and I want everyone to really look this up tonight. I don't want anyone to believe what I'm saying. You know, a lot of times there's manipulated audio that floats around the internet where somebody who's a conservative thinks it's cute because they didn't feel like the clip was punchy enough. They go in and edit it to make it seem more 
and you know what I mean? You see this all the time. There's constantly editing going on. This isn't editing this. If you go to just go to YouTube and you type in Joe Biden, 2016 World Economic Forum. Joe Biden was the keynote speaker at the World Economic Forum in 2016. Okay. So I want to be very clear. I want to make sure I'm very, very clear, very clear, very specific tonight. Um, the Great Reset is a book written by Klaus Schwab. Okay. And COVID 19 stands for Certificate of Vaccination IDAI. Certificate of Vaccination IDAI. The Great Reset. Certificate of Vaccination IDAI. Certificate of Vaccination IDAI. <laughs> and this book was written by Klaus Schwab, the founder of the World Economic Forum. In 1971, he started the World Economic Forum, Klaus Schwab did, uh, per the recommendation of Henry Kissinger. And in 1971, America got off the gold standard, per the recommendation of Henry Kissinger. In 1971-ish, Henry Kissinger began to open up China to America. We could get into this. The World Economic Forum chose to have a logo that is 666. Okay, their World Economic Forum, their logo is 666. So someone says, I don't really get into that. I don't really believe in the Bible. Fine. But the World Economic Forum, their logo is 666. And the World Economic Forum is located 6.66 miles away from CERN. Everyone should look that up. The World Economic Forum is located 6.66 miles away from CERN. And CERN is located on top of the former Temple of Apollo, Revelation 9-11, Revelation 9-11. So CERN is trying to isolate the God gene and recreate the Big Bang. That's what their stated goal is. Stephen Hawking said that if CERN is successful, it may cause the end of life as we know it. The World Economic Forum is trying to usher us into a time period called the Anthropocene. Someone should look that up tonight on just type in World Economic Forum Anthropocene. The Anthropocene, there's a documentary of the same title, Anthropocene, it means human-controlled gene. Anthropocene. So they're wanting to usher us into a new time period where you put RNA modifying nanotechnology inside your body that controls your thoughts and you're tracked and you literally cannot afford to feed your family or to heat your home without capitulating to their quest, to their goals. And that's, uh -oh. that's, that's real stuff. And that, these are all facts. Well, so yeah, uh, Yuval Harari has popularized that concept. So I, I know why you brought him up earlier. Yeah. So here you go. So you got Klaus uh, Schwab invites Joe Biden to give the talk about what's called the fourth industrial revolution or AKA the great reset in 2016. He's the keynote speaker. So listen to this insane dialogue back and forth between Joe Biden and Klaus Schwab. And I have to say Klaus in my memory, you were one of the most engaged and hardest working participants here at the annual meeting. I, I watched you uh, in the morning up to midnight sometimes, one engagement after the other one. Dr. Schwab, I'm flattered you'd ask me to keynote. Uh, there's an expression in my old neighborhood back in the United States. This may be above my pay grade. It's not above yours, though. You've written extensively on the topic that you've asked me to speak to. Mastering the Fourth Industrial Revolution. Okay, and the Fourth Industrial Revolution is the Great Reset, okay? So let's just be very clear. Let's talk about who's in the Great Reset. You got Merkel, you know, Germany, okay? You got uh, Trudeau in Canada, okay? You got, you got Joe Biden is on the involved in the, okay? So you have China, you know, so the leader of China, okay? He's part of the Great Reset, okay? You, you, okay, so you, you know all these people. Bill Gates is part of it. George Soros is part of it. And uh, Putin appears to have given a middle finger to the World Economic Forum at some point. And I'm not sure if he wasn't down with the Anthropocene. I'm not sure if he wasn't. I'm not saying I'm a Putin fan, but at some point he says, I'm not down with this. Now, how can I tell this? Well, Ukraine is where all the money flows in, all the corrupt money, the Bidens, the Clintons. It all flows through Ukraine. All right. So if you look up, you know, the Biden deals, business dealings in Ukraine. So you understand Ukraine is like hallowed ground for the team deep state. It's where they run. It's their money laundering center. Okay. And so in Ukraine, Biden, I think for his own um, self-preservation, is going, I'm tired of this. This is, I, I think Putin, for his own self-preservation, says, I'm tired of this. I think Biden, for his own preservation, self-preservation, says, I'm tired of this. So these, so Putin is moving his troops into Ukraine to deal with what he believes to be the problem, which is the corruption in Ukraine. And Biden is like, oh, yeah, well, I don't. So you, you're, you're seeing this happen. And somehow the people of Ukraine, many great people live in Ukraine, by the way. I don't think that all people in Ukraine are terrible. I, I don't do that. I'm just saying but there's people who live in Ukraine and their country is being used as the war zone for these two conflicting parties to fight it out. And I think that Putin is leading Team BRICS. Now, uh-oh, someone needs to look up Team BRICS, okay? So BRICS stands for Brazil, Russia, India, China, South Africa. That's the BRICS nations, okay? So Brazil, Russia, India, 
China, South Africa, BRICS. So America's about ready to get hit in the side of the head by a golden brick. Literally, these countries have all been buying gold. They're moving into hard assets, and they're de-dollarizing the world right now. That's what they're doing. So Putin is saying, if you want to buy my real oil from me, you have to pay me using real currency, which he defies, defines as the ruble, gold, and silver. And you're seeing China is now trading gold and silver. You're seeing that Russia and now China are trading back and forth, no longer using the U.S. currency. And the International Bank of Settlements, this is something big people didn't know, the International Bank of Settlements quietly raised up gold to be a tier one asset, meaning that the only other tier one asset in the world was previously the U.S. dollar, and now you have gold. So what's happening is you have 41%, that's the number, 41% of the Earth's population is Brazil, Russia, India, China, South Africa, soon to be joined by Saudi Arabia and other countries, and we will have well over half of the world that will immediately de-dollarize. And the only way that Biden, who is completely a corrupt puppet of the World Economic Forum, the only way that he can stop Putin from what he's doing is to destroy his pipeline. And again, the World Economic Forum, their their agenda is to cause everybody to not be able to afford to heat their homes because they're moving us into the Anthropocene. They want to depopulate the planet. So in order to depopulate the planet, you need a bunch of people to starve to death and to freeze to death. And that is what is happening. So I would just say right now that I, if I had to just look at the situation, it would appear as though Biden is making good on his thinly veiled threat. Wow. wow. Um, well, I tend to agree. Uh, uh, the The thing that I always question is, how is it that they can possibly believe that the the, the people will not rise up in these circumstances? And, uh, you know, obviously peacefully. Uh, but I, I really think that the pain is going to get to be so severe in Europe in particular. You had massive protests in Germany in the prior 48 hours before the Nord Stream attack occurred. Uh, I think that, you know, you're you're looking at real populist uprisings that are going to start to occur across the Western world. We've already seen it in the electoral process in Italy. Um, do you think that that's coming to America? Uh, well, okay. You, you've all know a Harari, top advisor for Klaus Schwab. I want you to listen to what he says, and I, I'm not dodging your question, but you've all know a Harari is, is clearly stated that he doesn't think that we're, that, that you're, that, that freedom needs to last anymore. He's saying we need to move to digital dictatorships and that he says that that large groups of people, what I would call a populist movement, he thinks that those don't matter anymore because he uh -oh. thinks that uh, we are they are creating a class of useless people is what he is saying. And, and, and I and I don't I'm not saying useless people like I'm that's not me. This is you've all know Harari. Listen to what he says. And now he describes what he you've all know Harari. Top advisor for Klaus Schwab is describing what he thinks of a populist uprising. Listen to this. Like, again, I think that the biggest question in, in maybe in economics and politics of the coming decades will be what to do with all these useless people. The problem is more uh, boredom and how, what to do with them and how will they find some sense of meaning in life when they are basically meaningless, worthless. My best guess at present is a combination of drugs and computer games. Mm -hmm as a solution for more. It's already happening uh, in, 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 in under different titles, different headings. You see more and more people spending more and more time or uh, solving their inner problems with uh, drugs and computer games, both legal drugs and illegal drugs. You look at Japan today, and Japan is maybe 20 years ahead of the world in, in everything. And you see all these new social phenomenon of, of people having relationships with virtual uh, virtual spouses and you have people who never leave the house and, and just live through computers I think once you're superfluous you don't have power uh, again we're used to the age of the masses of the 19th and 20th century where we all where you we saw all these successful uh, massive uprisings revolutions revolts so we, we got we are used to thinking about the masses as powerful but this is basically a 19th century and 20th century phenomenon. I don't think that the masses, even if they, they somehow organize themselves, uh, stand much of a chance. We are not in, in, in Russia of 1917 or in, uh, uh, or in 19th century Europe. What we're talking about now is like a second industrial revolution 
but the product this time will not be textiles or machines or vehicles or even weapons. The product this time will be humans themselves. We are basically learning to produce bodies and minds. Bodies and minds are going to be, the, I think, the two main products of the next wave of all these uh, changes. That is, is, is optional. Again, and if you think about it from the viewpoint of the poor, it looks terrible because throughout history, death was the great equalizer. The big consolation of the poor throughout history was that, okay, these rich people, they have it good, but they're going to die just like me. But think about a world, say, in 50 years, 100 years, where the poor people continue to die, but the rich people, in addition to all the other things they get, they also get exemption from death. Once you really solve a problem like direct brain-computer interface, when brains and computers can interact directly, uh, for example, to take just one example, that's it. That's the end of history. That's the end of biology as we know it. Nobody has a clue once, what, what will happen once you, once you solve this. Uh, if life can basically break out of the organic realm into the vastness of the inorganic realm, and you cannot even begin to imagine what the consequences will be because your, our imagination at present is organic. So it's, um, if there is a point of singularity, as it's often referred to, by definition, we have no way of even starting to imagine what's happening beyond it. Um, looking before the point of singularity, just as the trend is, is gathering pace, I mean, this is the mindset these people have. You just talked about having eternal life. He's saying the masses don't matter. And people ask me all the time, you know, the Rolling Stone did a, a very non-favorable article, shocking, uh, about the Reawaken America tour and myself. The mainstream media, Associated Press, is always doing articles about me, you know. And um, the reason why I'm doing the Reawaken America tour, people always ask, is I'm doing it because I want to share the truth about the Great Reset versus the Great Reawakening at scale. I want to share the truth about election fraud, medical fraud, religious fraud, and get people back to God. And it turns out it's not a profitable thing. You know, the idea of, of sharing freedom at scale, uh, I want people to come to these events that normally would not come. I don't want the price to be a barrier. I don't want people that have been impacted by the Great Reset to not be able to afford it. And so General Flynn, Cash Patel, Eric Trump, Dr. Mikevitz, Bobby Kennedy Jr., Jim Caviezel, et cetera, we do these events, and if you go to timetofreeamerica.com, uh, Clint, people can name their price. You can literally pay whatever price you want to go. We have two final events. That will be our, our our final event. Will be our seventeenth event. That'll be in uh, Branson, Missouri, November fourth and fifth. And we're going to Pennsylvania in October. And these events have a momentum. I mean, we have millions of people that stream. And every time people, I'm shocked by the comments I see on Rumble. And when I meet thousands of people in person, they always say, I've never heard of these things or you've all know a Harari or never heard of this all explained like this, <coughs> except for at the Reawaken America tour. So I try to give people some free resources. Um, one, you can download this book for free tonight at timetofreeamerica.com. The Great Reset versus The Great Reawakening. You can download it for free. Um, two, um, you can download the documentary called The Great Reset versus The Great Reawakening for free, again, at timetofreeamerica.com. You can find jobs that don't require the COVID-19 shots at timetofreeamerica.com for free. You can uh, request a COVID-19 vaccine religious exemption. We have a network of pastors that will sign those for you for free at timetofreeamerica.com. So a lot of free resources there. And I just encourage everyone, get involved because we've got to wake up our family and friends. This Great Reset is no joke. Uh, no, you're absolutely right. I mean, I, I think that it, along with ESG, is is the greatest threat we face, and we are absolutely ruled by people that believe in it deeply, uh, almost to a religious level. Uh, my my issue, or I guess my retort to Yuval Harari's claims, is that ultimately the masses do matter, and he's going to find out the hard way if he doesn't stop fucking around. I mean, let's just be honest; like they they don't have all of the mechanisms for control that they believe that they that they do. I mean, they they think that they can get the CBDC rolled out, the central bank digital currency. They think that they can have all of these, uh, you know, a total panopticon to stop us that when it comes to censorship and things like that. But right. uh, if they haven't figured it out yet, they don't have the panopticon ready yet. It's not ready for, for showtime. And I, and I ultimately believe that if the people are uh, able to be woken up in the next year, two years, three years, some, some short time frame. I, I'm not, I'm not saying we have a lot of time, but I do believe that we have some time and uh, ultimately, I'm, I'm very grateful for the work that you're doing. So keep it up, brother. Thank you.
Hey, there's nothing that you uh, said um, tonight that I disagree with at all about. about I, I think what we have to understand, and this is kind of, the, the, I don't know if it's a frustration or if it's just something I want to clarify. I see a lot of patriots that think somebody else is going to do something. And what I've discovered through this process is it's not going to happen. You Correct. listening right now tonight have to be the change that you want to see. You have to wake up your family. You have to get involved. You have to share the truth. You have to put it on social media. You got to wake up the coworkers. And, um, you know, people meet me at these events, and I think they're always a little unimpressed. They're like, I thought you were taller. I thought you were taller, <laughs> you know, or whatever. But they, they come to these events and they meet Eric Trump and Cash Patel, and they go, man, these guys are awesome, man. And, and, I, and they're always, they always tell me this. They always say, man, Eric Trump is really sold out to save the country. And I'm like, yes. And they go, man, I met Mike Lindell and he was cool as can be. Like he's committed, man. And I just want to tell you, these guys are the real deal. They're trying to save the country. Dr. Judy Mikevitz is the real deal. And again, I appreciate you for carving out time for letting me be here with you tonight. And hopefully we've added some value and dropped some knowledge bombs. And your listeners can learn more at time2freeamerica.com forward slash revelation. That's time2freeamerica.com forward slash revelation. All the uh, references we said on today's show are all there. That, that forward slash gives me pause because <laughs> I do not want to be in the revelation end times. But uh, anyways, thank you so much for joining us, Clay. It was great. Hey, take care. Have a great night. You too. Don't go anywhere, guys. I got more to more to talk about. Um, I, obviously, my intention was to take this this conversation in a more hopeful and optimistic direction. It, there was some hope and optimism. Let's not let's not get it uh, twisted. But um, I just wanted to to double down on my belief that ultimately this is the greatest opportunity in your life, in your life economically. And I know that sounds counterintuitive because um, you know there's a lot of pain right now. Uh, inflation, the markets in the shitter. Housing is is now tilting over. We finally have uh, a negative print in the the housing market, which means that the bubble has officially burst. Uh, the the Fed obviously won't acknowledge it for probably six months or a year. And uh, but this is what I've been warning you guys about. I tried to give you guys as much notice as possible that we were going to have probably a deflationary crash, which just means a bubble bursting. I don't mean deflationary as in they're actually taking money out of the the money supply, but a price deflation in that the the asset classes where all this money has been circulating, if the the market tanks, you have essentially a deflationary pressure where the the money is is taken out of the market just because there's no market for it in in terms of uh, you know purchase price of stocks and housing and things of that nature. So uh, what we're experiencing is a deflationary collapse uh, in the interim while dealing with in inflationary pressures from the monetary side. So it's a it's a first in my lifetime, uh, probably a first in yours. I don't really know how to play this other than to say that I think that ultimately the Fed will acquiesce and we will have a, a serious inflationary period. But in the interim, uh, what, what I view this as is an opportunity to purchase at lower entry points into asset classes that you value, be that Bitcoin, be that gold, be that housing, be that whatever, you're going to have tremendous opportunities in the near term to weather the ultimate death of the dollar, because I think that is ultimately where we're headed. I think we're ultimately headed towards a global fiat, more or less apocalypse. And uh, it's unfortunate. It's not nothing that I wanted to see come to pass, even as much as I'd like to get to sound money. Uh, I wasn't really interested in seeing this happen in my lifetime because I knew it would be extraordinarily painful to the average person, not to mention, you know, the middle class, upper class, it's going to be tough, man. And uh, I think we're going to have real cultural conflicts because of it, if not military conflicts. I, I can't believe the audacity of the Biden administration to not only intervene, I'll just put it like that, with the uh, the Ukraine and Russia war, but also to proudly brag about their intervention with Nord Stream 2. I can't fucking believe it. I can't believe the goal in nuclear power. We've done this in the past with other countries that didn't have nukes. I can't think of a time when we've done it with a country that does. Uh, the, the intervention is playing with literal apocalypse, literal apocalypse. And we are being ran by an octogenarian who doesn't know what day of the week it is. That is not a comforting position to be in to put it mildly. I don't know how this has come to pass, honestly, other than, you know, our, uh, our school system has failed us. 
terribly and it breaks my heart you know sorry i was trying to to pivot this one into an optimistic episode but uh just being honest i can't believe it i can't believe that we are actually toying with world war 3 over a country that ultimately just just serves as a a corruption slush fund in eastern europe that's that's what ukraine is and i'm tired of pretending it's not i'm tired of pretending that i have to have so much sympathy for the ukrainian people that i'm willing to to risk apocalypse the answer to that is no i'm not if the people in ukraine want to fight back they are more than welcome to and i wish them well i am not interested in a proxy war which is what this is explicitly this is a proxy war between the us and russia the two greatest nuclear powers on earth it must end it must end immediately According to uh, some reporting I saw about an hour ago, Putin is informing Erdogan of Turkey that he is open to negotiating a peace. It is incumbent upon our leadership to make sure that that happens. There is no plan B. There is no failure. Failure is the end of human civilization. I don't think people are talking about this in a serious enough fashion, which is why I'm doing it now. I think that people are not really understanding the gravity of this moment. It is as important as anything we have ever encountered, politically, socially, economically, culturally, whatever. You cannot have a nuclear war with Russia and expect us to build back better. Shout out to the World Economic Forum. I'm so concerned. I lose sleep over this. <laughs> And I don't lose sleep over much because I've seen a lot of crazy shit in my life. And ultimately, I've just kind of accepted whatever comes to pass comes to pass. And I still feel that way. You know, if uh, if it does go down, you know, what what's the what's the reason to to worry about that? Because ultimately, it's the end. So you just you just kind of, I don't know, turn to God or something. Um, but uh, I was I, I'm, I've been preparing and I, I wanted to update you guys. You know, Alex Jones uh, was rescheduled to come back on yesterday. I didn't tell you guys because I knew with his legal issues and things like that, there was a really good chance that he would have to reschedule. He did have to reschedule. Um, I'm also not going to tell you when we're rescheduling for because I don't want to get your hopes up, but I have been assured repeatedly it is going to happen. So that's good. The reason I wanted to bring it up is because uh, I have an interview with Judge Andrew Napolitano from yesterday that, that I'm going to be releasing right after this episode where I go into a relative deep dive with, with Judge Knapp on what it means for free speech and the attacks against Alex Jones. Uh, I think from his judgeship background, it's very valuable and I think you'll find it interesting. But in my preparation for my interview with Alex Jones, I've been doing weeks of research on his history and I just want to make sure that I, I use the time that I have with him as wisely as possible. He is, um, first and foremost, I think he's a hero. And I, I know that sounds crazy because he just came out yesterday and or last week and said that he, he regrets ever having been a libertarian and or ever using that label. He is a libertarian, whether he likes it or not. So I'm just going to move past that. Um, but I, I deeply believe that anybody that's in pursuit of truth is worthy of my respect because in this era, there are so few that are deeply seeking truth. And if you're seeking truth in a time of obfuscation and propaganda, what are the odds that you're going to get everything right? Basically zero, right? I haven't gotten everything right. That's just the name of the game. I mean, we are human and we're fallible. Um, but I, I'm not even putting myself on his level, but I, I like to say that I do pursue truth in a similar fashion to Alex Jones in that I am trying to get to the bottom of what we're up against and I'm trying to face it with courage and I'm trying to inspire others. And I think that he has done that as well as pretty much anybody in the past 20 years. Um, his work post 9-11 when he was highlighting the, the government's involvement therein was heroic. His fight against intervention in the Middle East in response to 9-11 was absolutely heroic. And I do not understand for the life of me why some libertarians have such animus towards the guy. I mean, 
I know their justification. I do. But some of you carry a, an anger towards him that that borders on the anger that I I hold for the John McCain's of the world or the George Bush's of the world or the Barack Obama's. You know, it doesn't make any sense to me. Uh, he is he is trying. That's more than I can say for most people. He is trying really hard to wake people up. And I appreciate it. Anyways, I uh, want to thank you guys for tuning in. I, I apologize that uh, the Alex Jones interview was delayed. It's going to happen. It's going to be legendary. I can't wait. Can you tell how excited I am? I'm so excited. I know some of you in the comments are saying uh, he's a clown and blah, 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 blah. Whatever, man. I don't care. I don't care what you think. I love Alex Jones, so fuck you. <laughs> uh, anyways, thank you again for tuning in. Go to sideshaper.com. Use the code Liberty to get 30 bucks off. It is, uh, it's a great spiraling ab machine that I need to use more often because I've been moving for the past week, so I'm getting out of shape again. But I'm going to go hit the gym right now, uh, try and get my ass back in gear. I do have a, a huge lineup, including Chris Martinson on tomorrow. He has been amazing on COVID. He's a doctor. You're not going to want to miss that one. Um, the lineup is bonkers. So keep keep sharing the show. Go to toplobster.com if you want to uh, support the show by becoming a walking billboard. And most importantly, like, comment, subscribe right now. Uh, I really appreciate all of your support. And I'm sorry that I had to take 10 days off. I feel terrible about it. But I am obviously shaking the rust off, and I will be back better than ever. Do not miss it. Let's go. And we are back with Judge Knapp for a very special early edition of Judge Knapp Thursday on Wednesday afternoon. Can you believe it? Thank you for joining us, Judge. Thank you for accommodating my crazy schedule. No, it's all good. Uh, I think I think we're actually going to be making it Judge Knapp Wednesdays from now on, uh, according to to Gary. So. Uh, I'm sure I'm sure my people will, will have no problem with that. Getting you earlier in the week is always good. Um, so let's hop right into it. I, I wanted to to get your opinion. Um, I've already talked to a handful of people about this, but you know, obviously, you have the the judge background to tell me uh, the legitimacy of this. Alex Jones recently lost a, a civil lawsuit. Uh, I watched basically his, his entire testimony. I watched a lot of it because I, I was. I, I really feel as if it impacts people like you and I that are, you know, talking about daily politics and and ultimately I can't wrap my head around how talking about a story, even if you get it wrong, can actually end in civil liability. So if you could elucidate that for me, I'd appreciate it. Well, I start out by saying that I am a personal friend, a fan, and an admirer of uh, Alex. I, I don't agree with everything he says, but I agree with much of what he says. Sure. Uh, the, the problem is that Connecticut changed its law retroactively in order to accommodate the people suing him. I mean, uh, 10 years ago, in every state in the union, opinions, no matter how extreme, absurd, or groundless were absolutely protected speech. Now opinions are protected speech only in the 40, in the 49 other states, but not in Connecticut because Connecticut changed its law so as to allow a cause of action for an opinion which results in emotional distress for uh, the people about whom the opinion is uh, articulated or people who have an interest in the outcome of the subject matter of the opinion. Um, wow. I disagree with Alex's lawyers because they chose not to defend the defamation case. So there are three defamation cases in Connecticut. Alex's lawyers chose not to defend them. So he lost a default judgment. Now, a default hmm. judgment isn't worth any money, but it's a judgment. You then have to find the defendant, docket the judgment in that state, which makes it a judgment in Texas where he lives and works. And then you have to demonstrate to a jury the value of the judgment. So the lawsuit in Texas a month or two ago, the lawsuit in Connecticut, which is going on now, these lawsuits are not about liability. These are not about whether or not he hurt anybody or defamed anybody. These are about what is the hurt that he caused, which was found by default, not on the merits, but by default. Interesting. What is, what is the hurt that he caused worth? 
in mm. Texas, the court found that it, or the jury found that it was worth, I think, uh, $5 million and then $45 million in punitive damages. However, Texas has a cap on punitive damages of $5 million. So the, the verdict against Alex in Texas is $10 million. I honestly don't know if there's a cap uh, in Connecticut. And of course, I can't predict uh, what the jury is going to do. I, too, watched his testimony, and I found it uh, believable, credible, forthright, uh, and honest, but too late. That testimony should have been given in the case in which there was a default judgment against them. But again, for reasons I don't know, uh, his lawyers chose not to defend uh, that case. So it's yeah. going to go through the whole thing again, which is going through now. What what is the harm that was caused by his opinion worth? Now, again, in forty nine, all the other forty nine states, let's say fifty states, because we're going to count District of Columbia. There's no such thing as harm caused by an opinion, because opinions are absolutely protected speech. Hmm. Well, that that's fascinating because, uh, as you said, you know it it should be okay to get something wrong. It, from my understanding, he never actually named the parents he never you know sicked his audience on them to go make their lives hell or anything like that he and uh, according to his testimony there was about six hours combined over a two-year period where he even discussed uh the sandy hook uh, attack at all um is there is this precedent setting i mean it does this does this jeopardize people that maybe don't go down the conspiracy route but uh do talk about you know controversial issues you know, it, it it's not precedent setting because it just applies to Connecticut. Okay. But if some court in another state has a uh, defendant perceived as hateful or at least hated by the court uh, and wants to change the law in that state, there is at least a body of law in Connecticut, though it's based on Connecticut cases, Sure. Uh, which would give guidance to a judge in another state. But by and large, a decision of the Supreme Court of one state uh, is not precedent setting for the Supreme Court of another state, unless it represents a trend. So one out of 49 um, is hardly a trend. You can, know, can the you... Constitution prohibits uh, ex post facto laws, that is changing the law retroactively. But the Supreme Court, in a very, very old case, one with which I've disagreed since law school, somewhere out of thin air, this is John Marshall, the big government chief justice for 35 years, Jefferson's cousin with whom uh, he never spoke, uh, ruled that the ex post facto prohibition only applies to criminal laws. It doesn't apply to uh, civil laws or to mm. legislation. That's how uh, Bill Clinton was able to raise taxes retroactively. And that's how the state of Connecticut was able to change its law on its defamation law on opinion retroactively. Only criminal laws cannot be changed retroactively. Interestingly, the John Marshall uh, case that made this ruling came out of Connecticut and the highest court in Connecticut ruled the other way. But that was 220 years ago. Yeah, that's fascinating. Um, so what is the the law change that happened in Connecticut that allowed for this defamation? suit to to go off not a, it's not a statute it's a judicial opinion it's oh. opinion it's an it's a judicial ruling this is not done by the legislature no this gotcha. is done by the, totally by the courts which basically uh said um if a person is severely harmed by uh an opinion they can sue huh. all the other 49 states are opinions by definition, are harmless. It's just somebody's opinion. They're right. absolutely protected by the First Amendment. Well, why would it not be? Like, it seems as if Alex should be able to appeal this to the, the Supreme Court and say, this is First Amendment. Uh, why? You would know, I be? don't know if Alex's people sought to appeal it to the Supreme Court. If, if they did, the court didn't take it. And if they didn't, uh, I'd like to know why. Why did this happen? Because they hate Alex Jones. Yeah, it's quite clear to me. Because of his uh, intellectual honesty and his personal courage. Yeah, no, I, I have to agree with that. And this is why I wanted to dig a little deeper, because obviously people in this arena uh, are are concerned. And uh, I guess the, 
the the lesson as of now is do not be a pa- podcaster in Connecticut <laughs> or do not talk about Connecticut issues. Um, so I wanted to to ask you a little bit more about the uh, the the Trump uh, FBI Mar-a-Lago raid. Mike Lindell, the my pillow guy, uh, allegedly got raided and his his cell phone seized yesterday. Uh, is there anything new that you could report? I just learned about the uh, seizure of Mike Lindell's uh, cell phone the other day, and this, of course. Um, Somehow, I don't know what Mike had to do with Colorado, but the uh, the uh, Washington Post is reporting that this had to do with Mike's uh, efforts to change or unearth irregularities in, however you want to look at it, the uh, the popular vote between Joe Biden and Donald Trump in Colorado. So I'm unfamiliar uh, with the facts there. I was kind of surprised. This this is too. something new on the part of the uh, FBI. Uh, it's rather startling to be walking down the street, have three guys with guns come up. You hand you a piece of paper and say, fork over your uh, cell phone. Yeah, very. So about three months ago, they simply subpoenaed the cell phone records from the uh, from the, the carrier, from the telephone carrier. Why they're doing it this way, unless they want to terrorize people, uh, is beyond me because it is terrifying uh, to see this happen. As far as Mar-a-Lago, Again, I say this with no joy. The president's uh, troubles uh, just keep mounting. Hmm. Uh, For some reason, in the midst of the litigation over the special master, the judge who signed the search warrant, who is not the judge that authorized the special master. I've been critical of the Florida system. This should all be with one judge. I don't know why it's gone back and forth. But the judge who signed the search warrant decided to reveal a little bit more of the affidavit that was submitted to him by the FBI and by the DOJ in order to persuade him to sign the search warrant. And none of it is good for the president. In fact, all of it is bad for the president. Well, we assume that what was redacted is bad uh, for the president or they would have released it. Now, why the judge, not the DOJ, DOJ can't release it, only the judge who signed the search warrant can. Why, on his own, without giving a reason, without giving uh, notice, he decided to release this is beyond me. But uh, it's bad for the president. Uh, It's bad in two respects. It shows that either his lawyer, and they haven't given the name, but I think I know who it is, his lawyer who told the FBI and the DOJ, you have everything that is subject to the subpoena either lied to the FBI or was lied to by whoever told her that, presumably the former president. The other point that's made is that the documents which were voluntarily returned, which were given to the uh, uh, National Archives, contain some of the crown jewels of top secrets, names of... um, double agents from overseas. So a person who's an intelligence agent for country X is also selling secrets to the United States, which would result in his horrific execution by country X once that's known. Right. So that shows an awareness on the part of the president, since he physically returned it, of the level of uh, national defense secrets that he had. Uh, All of this not good uh, for the president, but a bit of a head-scratcher as to why it came out. I can speculate as to why it came out. There's a little bit of of ping-pong, judicial ping-pong going on between these two judges. Now, they're not the same rank. The judge who signed the search warrant is a magistrate judge. That is not a federal judge appointed by the president and confirmed by the Senate. That is a federal judge hired by the other federal judges. Right. The judge who has ordered the appointment of the special master is an Article Three judge appointed by, in this case, Donald Trump and confirmed by the Senate. So she has her job for life. The magistrate judge has his job for a period of 10 years and it can be renewed. But she's his boss. And mm. he still decided to reveal this while she's deciding what to do with the special master. And what he revealed this is not anything he made up. This is what the FBI told him. Paints Trump in a worse light than he had been painted in before. Hmm. 
Well, I, I had uh, also speculated that, and actually I, I heard Robert Barnes say it uh, a few days ago, which made me feel as if maybe I was on the right track because he was speculating similarly that perhaps Trump held these documents because he, he actually went around to different uh, you know, apparatus of the deep state and said, hey, what are the things that you don't want declassified? He then packaged them all up and held them basically as like a, a dead man's drop, you know, like a, a basically a, a, an insurance policy if they came after him. Um, this is just what I was theorizing. Obviously, I have no way of, of knowing it or proving it. Uh, just curious if you have another thesis or if that sounds possible as to why Trump may have done this if he did it. Well, it would be, it would be, I don't know if it's possible. I guess anything's possible. It would be lawful if he had done it while he was president. Right. But once he's no longer president, he can't, he can't keep this stuff. Remember, we're not talking about classified versus declassified. We're talking about national defense information, sure. which is always and everywhere unlawful to possess outside of a secure uh, federal uh, facility. Uh, the other thing that uh, the Justice Department pointed out in its most recent filing, which is just uh, 12 hours ago, late last night, uh, to Judge Cannon, that's the judge that ordered the uh, appointment of the special master, is that the only time declassification has been mentioned has been from Trump's lips. His lawyers haven't mentioned it at all, which probably means they can't demonstrate that anything was declassified or they don't believe their own client. Hmm. Well, that that's is very bad. bad when you're making yeah. arguments. You don't believe your own client. That's really bad. Yeah. Yeah, that is. Um, wow. Well, I, I wanted to to ask one one final question that kind of puts a bow on all this. Uh, I heard a I think it was a congressman uh, either this morning or, or last night that was talking about how the the MAGA Republicans, you know, this is now the new language, the MAGA Republicans that went around to, uh, you know, parent-teacher conferences and school board meetings and and made their objections to vaccine mandates and other and you know curriculum issues known over the past two years uh he was describing them as you know very similar to the january 6th basically the same thing and and it seems to me quite evident that after biden's speech of a week ago where he once again you know went very very hard against the quote-unquote MAGA republicans it seems as if they are trying to categorize these people as uh you know dangerous terrorist type elements when ultimately these were parents that were concerned about their kids that are going to parent teacher conference type stuff it it just seems completely detached from reality but it seems like a very concerted effort to suppress the maga republican which is you know 70 80 million who knows how many people in this country would be classified as such is that your read of it you know, I, in my opinion, the people that went to the school board meetings are patriots and American heroes. Me too. Some of them were arrested. I don't know if there was violence. I, I hope that they weren't arrested for their words because their words are absolutely protected. It's the most highly protected speech there is. It's political speech in the face of the government. It's, as Thomas Paine used to say, shaking your fist in the king's face. <laughs> Great Britain, you'd be executed for that, you know, in the old days. Today, they execute you if you say down with the monarchy at the Queen's uh, at the recession of her body. But that, that yeah. that's them. <laughs> yeah. I like to think that we're not following what they do. So, look, yeah. Joe Biden, like anybody else, has uh, the right to speak his mind. It can be a little terrifying because, theoretically, the DOJ works for him. So we monitor carefully what he says, particularly if he suggests that the law should be enforced differently against people because of their political views. He didn't quite cross that line, but he came very close to it. He is, after all, the president. Now, Trump used to do the same thing, um, but uh, it's, it's dangerous and it's terrifying. And of course, if they make decisions to prosecute on the basis of politics or political speech or going back to Alex, any protected speech, uh, you know, such a decision should be invalidated by the courts uh, as soon as it's uh, challenged. Yeah, well, I, I certainly hope so. It, it's just this this trend is is so un-American. You know, the fact that we're we're consistently having to rely on basically the Supreme Court 
to try and defend speech rights. And, and that, that's just not a sustainable trend as far as I'm concerned, especially given the, you know, the, the pace at which things are resolved at the Supreme court level, it's going to create a mass chilling effect amongst, uh, you know, political commentators as much, as well as just the, the average voter and Trump supporter, whatever. Well, I, I don't know that it'll show people like you and me, but it certainly right. will show uh, mom and pop who want to go to school board meetings. Exactly. If the FBI is in the back of those meetings. That would simply be reprehensible. There should be no uh, visible law enforcement presence other than maybe one, one cop who's there to make sure that, you know, nobody tries to harm anybody else, but they can't do anything about speech. They can do things about disruption, but when it's time to speak and you have the microphone, you can say whatever you want. Fair enough. Well, thank you so much, Judge Knapp. Everybody go check out Judging Freedom. You have had some of the best interviews I have ever seen over the uh, past couple weeks, so I hope oh, everyone will do you. that. Yeah, no, they've been great. Anything else you'd like to tell the audience before uh, we this after This afternoon at 3.30 uh, Eastern, we have Jack Devine. Now, Jack's a 40-year CIA veteran who was in charge of pursuing the Russians in the United States and in Russia. He's in charge of pursuing Russian spies. So even though he's hardly on our side when it comes to the role of the intelligence community in our lives, he always has fascinating tidbits to reveal to us about a person who was his nemesis at the KGB by the name of Vladimir Putin. Putin. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's going to be fascinating. I, I will not miss it. Thank you so much for joining us. If anybody wants to support my work, go to toplobster.com, pick up a Liberty Lockdown shirt, or go to libertylockdown.locals.com. But most importantly, Go subscribe to Judging Freedom. Thank you again, Judge. Thank you. Welcome to Liberty Lockdown. Please scan your barcode. Your liberty ain't gone, but yeah, it's on hold. Where did it come from and where did it go?